Good morning, Hillcrest. It is a absolute privilege to be up here and be able to open God's word with you guys this morning. Have you ever have you ever been in a place where you thought your life was headed in a certain direction? And and so you were going in that direction, and then all of a sudden, it changed, something changed, and now your life was headed in a different direction. And it could have been something good, it could have been something bad, but you had a plan, and now you had to decide how you were going to respond. And I imagine that's what it was like a few months ago in Pashanashil. So it was, it was a bright, sunny day, a, a winter day, one of those days where you know that, that spring is coming, but it's still too cold to go without a jacket. And as evening came into Pashanashil, this, this town of, of 50,000, 60,000 people, it, it was not like any other day because Pashanashil was no longer a town of 60,000 people. Instead, 50,000 people per day had escaped the Russian invasion of Ukraine and filtered into Pashanashil. And that changed everything. Over the course of, of two weeks, more than a million and a half people came in. And, and, and there's so many horrors involved in war. There's so many. But one of the things that, that captured my heart and really just broke it was that as I learned, a million and a half people had, flow, had, had, had sort of like escaped Ukraine into Poland, was that the Polish government had set up how many refugee camps for the one and a half million? Zero. Zero. And this, this is in a country where, where 90% of the people claim Christianity. It's like, I, what, are, what are these people supposed to do? Where are they supposed to go? Being, being a refugee, it wasn't in their plan. Right? That's, not, that's not how they envisioned their next few months going. And, and it's like, I didn't understand why wouldn't the Polish government set up refugee camps? It's like, didn't they care? Yes. Deeply. They didn't set up any refugee camps because they didn't need any refugee camps. One and a half million people come from Ukraine into Poland and all of the families are welcomed into Polish homes. There was traffic jams getting to the train stations because Polish families were, were coming to offer assistance. And the government said, please stop coming to the train station because we have enough people here to help. Moms would, would go and they would, they would leave strollers. They knew people were fleeing their country and they, they didn't have the things they needed. And so they left strollers and they left clothing and just everything, you know, things that you might need to care for these escaping people. And this wasn't part of the plan for the Polish families either. They, they, I'm sure, imagined their day, their month, their year going much differently. But you think things are going to go one way, they end up going another way. And friends, there is so much freedom 
in holding loosely to where you think things are going to go. And I don't know, I don't know if, you know, if you find yourself in, in different circumstances than you thought, if that causes anxiety or worry, or if you're just confident and you're like, I got this. Maybe even today you're facing a big decision and, and you're just like, man, I, I do not know how I'm going to respond. Or maybe you find yourself in a place of life where you're like, I am so happy with where I am. I'm just going to stay right there. Well, today in James, we are going to see how, and, and this is the big idea, we're going to see how God is in control of all things, so we hold our plans loosely and find freedom in control. And so, uh, if you wouldn't mind, open up your Bibles to the book of James. We're jumping back into that series. And, and here we, we really believe that the Bible is the, is the word of God. And, and he wrote it, God wrote it to uh, people at a certain place at a certain time and that we can learn about the character of God and we can hear from God by understanding his word and applying his word to our life. So we often will just preach through the book of the Bible verse by verse by verse. And we're in James, takes about 10 minutes to read from start to finish. Um, so of course we started in September and we'll finish you know, in 2022. Um, and, and we actually, so just a refresher, if it's, if it's been a while for you uh, since September, James was maybe the first book of the Bible written. It was written to believers, for believers, uh, by the brother of Jesus. And we've divided our series, which we call Faith Works, into four different parts. And the first part is this idea that faith works when I'm tested. And, and, and James says, Consider it what? Pure joy when I face trials of many kinds. Because I, why? Because I know that the testing of our faith produces maturity, endurance. That's the first part, joy through trials, through testing. Then we moved into the second part, my faith works when I love. And, and, and James was talking all about, man, it's not, it's not just a, a, a faith absent of the world. When your faith is lived out, there are good works that come from your faith. Not faith plus works is saving, but a faith that leads to works. And so if you don't have that in your life, it's actually dead, he says. Part three, faith works when I speak. It was all about your tongue and the power. And, and James said things like, your tongue is a fire from hell. And then now we're jumping into part four, faith works when I persevere. And if you don't have one of these books, pick one up outside. If you're in a life group, you'll get one from your life group leader. It's a great place to take notes, go deeper, uh, think about questions. There's, there's prayer prompts that will help you if, in devotions. Um, and that's available just outside on the table. So let's jump into James chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 13 through 17 today. Come now, you who say... Can't you just feel a rebuke coming? Come on now, you who say. And, and that wouldn't be, uh, I don't think that would be a surprise to us because James has been so provocative, right? Consider suffering pure joy. We already said the tongue is a world of evil. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful and faith without good deeds is useless. James is provocative. So if he's going to let him have it again, man, we're ready for it. Let's keep going. So here's, here's what he has to say. Come now, you who say, and here's what he's unhappy about. 
Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. That's his accusation. And I mean, it doesn't actually sound that bad to me. I'm not, I'm not totally sure at first blush what he's unhappy about. I mean, we, I do that all the time. I say, you know, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do that. Hey, you want to have coffee tomorrow? Let's go camping this summer. Yes, I will be at your baseball game. So why is he so unhappy? And maybe, maybe as we're just looking at it, you know, maybe it has to do with the prophet. Right? The Bible has a lot to say about the love of money. As we look at it, maybe it has to do with the fact that they made a plan. But the Bible also has a lot to say about counting the cost and how it's the foolish person who starts out something without a plan. And so it's, it's not coincidence that, I, that I'm sort of walking you slowly through the verse because the next verse actually talks about what James is so unhappy about. And here's what he says. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So, so that is actually the problem that James has. They are acting like they direct their steps rather than having an attitude of if the Lord wills. And so that's actually the first point this morning. We are not in control of life. And what do you mean, you might say? I, I, I get that I'm not in control of, of this big arc through history, but Culver's after church? I mean, yeah, I think, I think I'm in control of that. And, 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 you know, what does the text say? What does the text say? Yes, you decide if you go to Culver's if the Lord wills it. Because nothing happens outside of his sovereign will. If, if the Lord wills it, you go here. If the Lord wills it, you go there. If the Lord wills it, you live. If he wills it, you don't. If he wills it, you spend a year there. You make a profit there. You trade there if he wills it. Nothing happens outside of God's control because he is sovereign. And I heard this example that I really like. What is the balance between the sovereignty of God and our will? And Imagine that there is an ant that I've just placed in this bowl. Now, the ant is free to do whatever it wants, right? The ant could stay. The ant could go this way. The ant could go that way. I feel like I'm in Dr. Seuss right now. The ant could go up, out, out of the bowl, right? The ant can do whatever it wants as long as I allow it, right? Because I could say, uh, no, the ant's actually not going to come out of the bowl. No, it's going to stay there. I could even squash the ant, right? Nothing, nothing happens. Nothing the ant chooses to do really happens outside of my control for the ant, for what I allow it to do. And that, I feel like that was a super helpful example um, to understanding a piece of God's sovereignty. You may have health, and then you may have no health. You may have life, and then no life. You may have a job, and then no job. And I, re I remember the ring that I heard at 5.38 a.m. on January 24th of 2022. It was much too early to be my alarm clock. It was much too early 
to be a call from my mother-in-law. But it was a call from my mother-in-law. Her son, my brother-in-law, had been found unresponsive and he died shortly thereafter. And, 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 and this is, you know, we, we had had a distant relationship with Chris for like at least a decade. But the last few months of his life, we had connected and spent time with him like never before in our life. And Chris had plans for the future. And we had plans for life with Chris. And just like that, everything changed. And that's not a unique story. We all have stories of, of how life changed and, and how everything was different after that. But the point is this. What is your life? It is a mist. It is a vapor. It's like the smoke of this candle. And we have no, no ability to control it, to hang on to it, to make it, 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 it stay longer. It's gone when it's gone. It goes where it's made. And that is, that is under God's control, not ours. And if, if you're here today and you have yet to treasure Jesus and God has been working on your heart, friends, tomorrow, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Today is the day to say yes to Jesus. And if you're like, oh, I, I, I feel that, I don't know how to do that. And you come, come talk to any of the pastors, the elders, talk to me, talk to a trusted friend that knows Jesus. But today is absolutely that day. And if you already treasure Jesus, but you've been holding on and you're like, I, I'm doing things my way, like Frank Sinatra says, if you've been doing things your way, man, today is the day to Surrender. So point, that was point one, God is in control. We are not in control of life. Point two, so acting as if we are in control is foolishness and evil. And this, this next one might be a familiar story. It's a, it's a parable, and that parable is just a story with a point, and Jesus often taught in parables. It's a parable from Luke chapter 12, and I've got a question at the end of it, so so. Track with me through this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And so here's the question. Why was he a fool? Just like, just like in our text this morning from James, for, for me at least, it's not immediately obvious, right? And we're like, what did the merchants do? They said they're going to go here. They said they're going to go there, trade, make a profit. He, here he said, you know, was he a fool because he didn't know that his life was being demanded of him that night? Was he a fool because he wanted to have barns that would hold his harvest? It was, it was more than just greed 
the text goes on to say that he was not rich toward God. He didn't treasure what God treasured. He was seeking after things for himself. If we look at, at just kind of the text and how he says, this is what I will do, I have done, me, myself, I, he was focused selfishly on that. And it's similar to what James is saying that I don't want us to miss. When we think and act like we are in control, we are acting like God. I want to say that again. When we act like we are in control, we are acting like God. And this, we're, we're today we're looking at James 4.13, but the very last time we were in James with James 4.11 and 12, we heard the same kind of language where, where James said, don't judge your brother because there is only one lawgiver and judge and you ain't it, right? And when we, when we judge our brother, we are acting as God, and when we hold on to control and rely on ourselves, we are acting as God. He goes on, he says this, As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. It's not that our decisions don't matter. It's not that we don't have responsibility for the decisions we make. But it, our heart posture is what matters. And he said, your boasting is evil. Arrogant. It's this idea of having uh, an inflated sense of your own ability or your own influence. It's like this idea that people leave God out of their plans and then they boast about it. That, that idea reminds me of the last verse of Judges, the book of Judges, and it's actually found all throughout the book of Judges. This is Judges 21-25. In those days, there was no king in Israel Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And you know what happened in those days? The same thing that happens in these days. Without God, we make a mess. Then we boast about it. it might not sound like boasting. It, it, it might sound like today or tomorrow. I'm going to go here or there. I'm going to spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Or maybe it'll sound like I have no place to store my harvest. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Or maybe it sounds like something totally different. He calls it evil. It's a pretty strong word, right? He could use other words, but it implies intent. And, and, and he could have used, I mean, yeah, he could have used other words, but, but that's just one extreme. So this idea of, of holding tightly to control and, and knowing that God, um, you know, I got it. There's another flip side to not giving up control. And that is worry. You might be thinking, well, how is, how is worry arrogant boasting? It's harder to see. It's, it's when we see ourselves as calling all the shots, then when things don't go the way that we want them to go, Oh my goodness, I, I, I could get stuck losing sleep over a decision. I could be filled with anxiety. I could be paralyzed by, by overanalyzing something. I could be anxious. I could be despairing if things don't turn out the way that I think they're going to turn out if, if I'm in control. So me not being in control could be, I'm sorry, me being in control could be overconfidence, not seeking God, or me being in control could, could look like, Worry, because since I'm in control, I, I have to make sure everything's right. 
And that causes anxiety. But in either case, we have a decision. We can say, are we going to be captain of the ship? Right? Are we going to be captain of the ship? The person who has ultimate authority, the person who gets all the credit, the person that has to make all the hard decisions, that has all the stress and all the responsibility, or are we going to live as first mate? Somebody who, who yes, they get, they get a share of the treasure, but they do not have all of that burden because, man, that's on the captain. And that's a way that we can choose to live our life. And that just frees us from the burden. Where I say, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen in the end, but I'm not straddled with that worry because I know that God will work for good in all things for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It says in Romans 8. It's like, okay, well, God, you got this. So whatever, that's freeing. And it sounds, it sounds, I think it sounds like an easy decision on paper, right? Is it going to be me or is it going to be God in control, right? The one that we call Abba, Father, that's an, an Aramaic term that, uh, of, of familial intimacy. We were far from God, and God has adopted us into his family. It's the same term that Jesus used in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was, was praying. He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me if it's possible, but not, your, not my will, but your will be done. Even then, Jesus is, is giving up control and he's crying, Abba, Father. And that is the kind of intimacy we have with God. That is who I want in control, the personal God who we call Abba, Father. But if giving up the remote control is hard, then giving up ultimate control can be even harder. So, so I think about self-driving cars when I think about that. I don't know if anybody else thinks of the idea of getting in a self-driving car and just feels like, uh, I don't, I, uh, I, right? That's, that's the expressive way I would articulate to me, to you, how I feel about it. Uh. And so in 2014, Google designed that car and it's missing one important thing. There's no steering wheel. And so, and so even if I can imagine a world, and I can, I can absolutely imagine this, I can imagine a world years from now where a self-driving car is, you know, whatever, 10 times safer than driving yourself. But I mean, I've seen iRobot. I know what happens, right? <laughs> uh, even if it's 10 times safer and you say, well, you'll get in 10 accidents yourself before the, the, the self-driving car will, man, uh, there is something about not having that steering wheel there, about giving up control that is hard for us. And I get it. I get that it's hard. But look at, look at what happens when we're in control. We make messes. The, the, the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, he says this. He says, I know what to do and I don't do it. I know what I shouldn't do and I keep doing it. And he was like, like, what a wretch am I? And that's, that's how we are. And that's, we don't want to be in control. We want Abba Father to be in control. Give him the remote. That's point two. Let's just review. We are not in control of life. Point two, so acting as if we are in control is foolishness and evil. And point number three, trust God and live under his control. So maybe you're asking yourself, how do I not be foolish and evil? Those sound like good things to aspire not to. 
or some version of that? It's a good question. So let's just look again. Let's go back to the text. It says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And so the, the phrase, if the Lord wills, it's not, it's not a magic phrase where you just go along, okay, I, I, I live my life exactly the same, but now I preface everything with, if the Lord wills. That is not what he's talking about. It's about a heart posture. But I want to offer up four ways that we could live as the Lord wills. Right? It's not exhaustive. But one way that we could live as the Lord wills is to make good choices. So I have a friend named Master Dragon, and that is really absolutely her name, Master Dragon. And anytime I see her, anytime I leave or she leaves or anybody else leaves, she always says, make good choices. And that's great advice. Sometimes we think that being obedient, that sinning means just don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, don't murder, don't envy, don't lust, don't, you know, all of those things. But that's not what James is telling us. He says in verse 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. So it's sin to know God's will and refuse to do it. It's sin to delay and so if you're, if you're here, if you're watching online, if you're listening in the podcast and, and God has been working on your heart and you know, you know what he wants you to do, oh, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Maybe, maybe you've got a conflict in your life and the Holy Spirit has been telling you, man, you need to forgive. Maybe you're here today and, and, and there is just a need that you've seen and maybe you need to be generous. Practically every week here, we talk about pray, watch, and step. And maybe you've been praying, maybe you've been watching and you need to start doing some stepping. So that's, that's one way to live as the Lord wills, is make good choices. Are you aware of something that God wants you to do? What's holding you back from obeying him today? Second way, a second way to live as the Lord wills is to not go the other way. So, <clears throat> sunburn is bad. And sunscreen causes cancer. Let me explain. So, so we all know that it's bad to get sunburned. But sometimes we can take something that's bad and we can go way far the other way. One, one response to sunburn is bad is to say, okay, well, I'm going to strive to not get sunburned. That feels like a totally reasonable response. Another response to sunburn is bad, is to say, the sun is bad. So, so uh, I'm not going to go out in the sun, and I'm going to wear, if I have to go from my house to my car, I'm going to wear, 
you know, the wide-brimmed hat and long sleeves and gloves and 1,000 SPF underneath, right? There will be no sun because if sunburn is bad, then the sun is, is bad, right? We, go, we take something and we go too far the other way. And it turns out uh, that sunscreen is like margarine because, 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 They've discovered that, that if you have a vitamin D deficiency, if you're low in vitamin D, which, which we know is from the uh, sun, because Sunny D, the amazing sunny drink, <laughs> we, if you have a vitamin D deficiency, and, and this is not fixed by taking vitamin D supplements, it really needs to be the sun, you have a higher ri risk of almost every disease. Every disease. It's like, here, I got a list. It's, it's uh, diabetes. Obesity, osteoporosis, heart attack, stroke, cancer, almost every disease if you have a low vitamin D. And this, this, this you may not believe. I'm going I'm to cite my source here. The Journal of Internal Medicine says this. The avoidance of sun exposure is a risk factor of similar magnitude as smoking in terms of life expectancy. You can go look that up. Avoiding the sun, not just avoiding sunburn, avoiding the sun is similar to smoking in terms of what it does to your life expectancy. And so the, you're like, okay, interesting tangent. I thought we were in James. Okay, give me a second. We're coming back. We're coming back. Sunburn is bad, and we can go too far the other way. And so, so that's the point here. If we go too far the other way, man, I'm never going to make plans about anything. I'm going to be so tentative. You're not going to be able to trust, trust me. Be, everything is, is if the Lord wills. It, it, I'm not going to be reliable. At the first sign of obstacle, I'm like, all right, peace out. I'm out of here. Right? That's what it means. So sunburn is bad. Okay, I'm going to go way over here. Holding tightly to my plans is bad. Okay, no plans. No, not reliable. Totally flaky. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to become paralyzed, right? So, so the second, a second way to live as the Lord wills is to not go too far. A third way to live as the Lord wills is to invite God versus join God. And here's, here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we think, or I think, and I pray, like, Lord, uh, would you be a part of what I am doing? Lord, bless this effort. And that is so far from where we, we ought to strive to be. Rather than saying, hey God, this is what I'm doing. C come be a part. Right? We ought to strive to be a part of what, jo join God in what he's doing. Don't, don't invite God in to be a part of what you're doing. Because it's about who is in control. And what does it mean to to join God instead of invite God into what you're doing. Uh, maybe two, I have two thoughts, two thoughts on that. In order to join God, you, you actually need to know what he's doing. And you need to know God. And so, so maybe step one would be, man, get to know God. Spend time in his word like we're doing right now. Right? You could, you could go through this book. You could go through something else. Spend time in prayer. Talk to him. Know God. A second step might be you have to be willing to release control. If you're, if you're going this way, you can't be like, oh, God, I'll join you. Are you coming this way too? That, that doesn't work. You have to go 
uh, in the direction that God is going. Because what if, what, if, what if he takes you some other way? That's scary. What if he keeps you where you are? That could be scary. I don't want to stay where I am. Lord, take me somewhere else. No, he, he may, right? If you're joining him, he may keep you right where you are. And then a fourth way to live as Lord wills would be hold loosely versus tight-fisted. It's just this idea of I have my plans and they are set versus I still have my hopes, I still have my dreams, I still have my desires and I'm still walking towards them but I am, I am holding them with open hands knowing that I mean, the Lord might, may change. He may change where I'm headed. An idea of, you know, I'm going to make my plans in pencil. So 20 years ago, 20 years ago, um, Aaron and I, my wife, we moved, we just packed up. We said, hey, we're going to go live and serve in Guatemala. And, oh, we have such a heart for the people of Guatemala, especially when they wear badger hats. And then we came back, and, and maybe five or six years ago, we started to wonder, what would it be like if our family uh, took an extended mission trip and just served alongside missionaries that we support in Mexico? It just started forming in our heart and our mind, and we, we started teaching our kids Spanish, and we started um, saving up money for that. And, and the idea was forming and growing, and, and then we thought, well, what, what would it look like actually um, if we sort of moved to Latin America and, and maybe worked remotely from there for a season. And then, and then COVID came and it upended the world and the whole world shut down and, and a lot of people's lives were, were, you know, affected in bad ways. But one thing it did, did share with us is we learned the feasibility of remote work. We're like, actually, this could work. And so two years ago, two years ago, I went to my boss and, and super nervously, I was like, uh, what do you think about this idea? I moved to Ecuador. Oh, yeah, and I can work there. <laughs> and, and he said, great. I mean, he, maybe he didn't say great, but he could not. No, I mean, he could not have been more supportive. He said, yes. He said, I don't care if you work for Madison or Argentina. He said, I don't care. Yes, go. Please go. I was like, wow, at every turn, we were getting confirmation. We were getting doors opened. And it was like, wow, this is so cool. We really feel God moving. And so then January of this year, man, we're in full-scale planning mode. We've got spreadsheets and, and looking about visas and, and immigration and money. and I mean, just that we have the kids doing Spanish tutoring. There's one thing that was nagging in my mind, and, and that was that we didn't have sort of the final approval. And... I went to our HR rep and I said, you know, hey, this is kind of where my head's at. And she said, don't worry. Man, we will go to the mat for you on this. Absolutely. I'm like, okay, great. And then um, two, three weeks ago, so, I mean, this is like fresh, 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 fresh. Three weeks ago, I had just come from Gary's birthday party and, and I stopped at Woodman's at like 1 a.m. I mean, I never go to Woodman's. I'm never up that late at all. And um, I, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I coincidentally, 
I coincidentally run into an HR person who works with the, the place that would make that decision. And I said, oh, can I just tell you, can I just be honest with you for a second? I said, I am not feeling anxiety about this final approval. What I'm feeling is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. That's what I'm feeling. Uh, but it's not anxiety. Because what do I do? Like, do, do we go, we have seven people in our family. Do we go spend more than $1,000 on passports? I mean, it's, we're getting down to the wire. And she said, yeah, go buy your passports. That is a quote. Yes, go buy your passports. Oh, great, great. So this is like, this is whatever. Early April, mid-April, somewhere in there. The very next week, that was the final word. What? Well, how could that be the final word? How could that be the final word? I mean, this is, this is not, a, hey, honey, what do you think? Let's move to Ecuador. This is five, six years, you know, or 20, depending on how you look at it, right? Of, of doors opening, of confirmation of where we think that God is leading us. And so, and so what do I do with that? What do I do with that? Well, the first thing that I do with that is I'm like, okay, well, this feels like a formality. Um, everything's, everything's flexible. You know, I could just, I don't know, turn up the charm or just talk to them again or figure out a way around this or it's, an, it's a problem to be overcome. I started to think in my mind, I'm like, you know, ugh. Because, because we're friends, I feel like I can be honest with you guys. Everybody online, close your eyes. Um, how, how honest do I need to be really about where I'm working from? If I'm remote, how honest do I need to be? I could just be remote. And so this is, again, this is mid-April. I'm working on this sermon. I'm preparing this sermon and I'm just feeling frustrated and I'm feeling like I don't know what to do. And so I just take a break from working on the sermon and I go and I sit on our couch and I'm just talking to God and I'm just telling him like how I'm feeling and it's like, come on, I mean, these, were, these are... These are your plans, God, that I'm holding on to so tightly. These are your plans. And, and, and it strikes me. I'm preparing a sermon about holding loosely, about joining God. And my response to something is like, how can I push this through? How can I make this happen? I mean, it was like, I'm not kidding you guys. I was sitting on the couch. I can picture it. And when it struck me, I'm like, this is, this is hilarious. I almost started laughing at how crazy it was that we're talking about, like, giving control to God. I mean, oh, how can I make this happen? It's bonkers. And so in that moment, God changed my heart. Man, this is what we're doing. We've been working towards this for five or six years to one of open palms. I, I don't know. I don't know, right? And I still don't know. I don't know if we're going. I don't know if it's going to look different, but I'm okay with that. Maybe we'll go, maybe we won't, but God is in control. And we don't know what tomorrow holds, right? We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know what happens in the end. And when we hold tightly to things and we have worry, we have anxiety, we have pride, we have overconfidence, that shows to us the object of our affection. It shows where we're focused on ourselves rather than God. Because there's 
actually freedom under his control. There's freedom when you're not free to do whatever is best, whatever seems best in your own eyes, right? There's, there's freedom from envy. There's freedom from jealousy, from pride, from, from being easily offended, from anxiety, from worry. There's all this freedom because it's like, it's, well, it's not me. I don't have to freak out about this. God, you got this. So, I mean, I know that you work for the good in all things for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I want to be somebody who lives up to the national motto, in God we trust. But I'm a fickle person, right? One day I might say, oh, God, yes, I will release control. And the very next day or the very next hour, or the very next minute, I might say, oh, as long as we go this way. And that's not who I want to be. It's not how we have been designed to be. And it's not who we have to be. If you've ever seen any movie about time travel, that was a quick switch, by the way, you know, um, like, like Back to the Future, right? You, you know that when you go back in time, the number one rule of time travel, right? I mean, everybody knows it. Like, you don't do things that could mess up the space-time continuum. I think I just put in Star Wars or Star Trek. I don't know. Anyway, don't, you don't do that, right? You, you, people are very worried about a small change radically affecting the future. But what they don't realize, and what we, I think, don't realize, is that we can make a small change today that will radically affect the future. And so if, if that's who we want to be, if we want to be somebody that holds loosely, man, we can start that. And so that's my final encouragement to you guys, friends, is it's like, trust God. Hold loosely to your plans because he is in control. Let's find freedom in that. All right, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, we don't want to be people who, who wrestle control of the remote, who, who refuse to get in, well, no, we can refuse to get in self-driving cars, but God, we don't want to be people who have to be in control. Lord, we want you to be in control. Lord, would you change our hearts? Would you allow us to hold loosely to the plans? Help us to understand where you are going. Lord, we desire to join you as a part of that. Amen.